Good morning. My name is Pastor Susan, and I'm so blessed to see your faces. It's a blessing to see each one of you here, and I just want to echo what Cindy said, that no matter who you are, no matter where you're coming from, no matter what you've gone through, you are welcome in the presence of God. God does not judge. God does not judge us as we come before him. He extends uh, his love to us this day, and uh, we are so blessed to be able to gather um, and not have to bring anything before him except just ourselves. So I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, the scripture that was read to us so wonderfully by um, the kids in our church. And I want to begin with the first verse. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint Jesus's body. So there's these three women, and Jesus died on Friday, and on Saturday evening, they, the markets opened again so they could go and buy these special things that you're supposed to use on the bodies of those who are dead. And um, they wanted to go in the morning and anoint Jesus's body to take care of his body. And I want to ask you, how do you think these women were feeling as they got up early in the morning and they were ready to go and anoint the body of Jesus? Sad. Adele says that they were sad. Yes. Yes. Other, other emotions or adjectives? How do you think they were feeling? Heavy. Yes. Because they've just lost their friend, their leader, this person who was so important to them. And these women were very, very connected to Jesus. So yes, that totally makes sense that they were sad. Mary Magdalene was a follower of Jesus, so close to Jesus that her name is mentioned more times than most of the disciples. Uh, Mary, the mother of James, who is most likely one of the disciples. Salome, who tradition identifies as the wife of Zebedee, who is the mother of James and, and, and the mother of James and John. These women were really close to Jesus, and they were very grieved or sad at the death of Jesus. Jesus had been talking about all sorts of things as they were hanging out together. One of the things he talked about is how he was going to die and rise again. Jesus kept talking about how he was going to be put to death and, um, and come back to life, and that's kind of intense. My guess is that when these people were hearing Jesus say these things, they were like, maybe understanding, but maybe not so much. Do you ever have someone talk to you about things where you're like, huh, uh-huh, and you're like, okay, but you don't totally understand what they're, ta that they're talking about? I think maybe the people uh, who were following Jesus were kind of like, yeah, okay, that kind of makes sense. But they were really devoted to Jesus. They were very close to Jesus. They, these three women stuck with Jesus, even when all the other disciples ran away because they were so scared. These three women were loyal to Jesus because they loved him so much. And they experienced that Jesus loved them so much. 
that they did not flee. These, these three women saw how Jesus healed people, no matter where they were com coming from, whether they had like contagious diseases or not, Jesus healed people. He accepted them. He touched them, literally. Even Roman military people, Jesus interacted with them. He dared to say things that corrected or even annoyed the people who were leaders of the, of the culture. Jesus was afraid of nothing. Jesus was not afraid of anything. Not storms, not tough questions, not awkward situa social situations, not even religious traditions. He was one of those people. He was the person who was just not afraid. And I think he made people feel very safe because he was not afraid. Jesus was so focused on loving God and loving people. Jesus was totally focused on loving God and loving people. He just exuded that. Everyone could tell that's what he was about. Even children, even children, you know how children just, they know things, right kids? Sometimes you just, you can tell what's going on. Sometimes kids know things that adults don't even know. And the Bible tells us that the children just flocked to Jesus because they could tell that Jesus loved people and he loved God. Jesus was the most amazing person that these women had ever known. And they were utterly loyal to him. Does anyone know what loyal means? Yes, yeah, so some people are like, I kind of know. Yes, Emmanuel. Devoted, yeah, kind of like devoted. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, these women were like, we're going to stick with him, whatever happens. But at this time, the things that he talked about came true, that he was, um, he was arrested, and he was put in jail, and he died. And in, in these just a few short days, these terrible things happened, this unbelievable injustice, and this innocent Heaven-sent man was imprisoned and judged and executed. And these three women watched it happen. And a whole group of friends, wow, they were really sad and traumatized and scattered. Jesus had been killed and laid in a tomb which was carved out of rock. I'm sure that as some of you guys said, that Mary, Mary, and Salome were really upset their beloved leader was gone. And they're like, what are we going to do? But the thing that they realized is they didn't have time to take care of his body very well. They just wrapped it up with linen, but they didn't do the stuff that they did at that time to take care of, of bodies. And that was a great dishonor. So no, they were not going to let that happen. They weren't going to run away. They were like, we got to do it right, man. We got to get spices and anointing oils, and we got to take care of Jesus' body. So do you think they were expecting that Jesus would be alive? No. No. Because they were like, Jesus is dead. He's a, there's a dead body, and we should do some good things to do the right thing for his dead body. 
So they agreed to get up and go and anoint Jesus' body, take care of Jesus' body. And although Jesus had talked about rising from the dead, I think these women were more like, he's dead. And the thing that they were wondering wasn't like, I wonder if his body will be alive. They were wondering, who will roll the rock away from the tomb? Because they're like, oh, we're not that strong, and the rocks that they usually have in front of the tomb are very big. So that's the, the level they were at. That's the practical question they were struggling with. But here's what the passage says, and I'm going to read it to you again. It says, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were very scared, alarmed. Yeah. They were like, what is happening here? How would you feel if you're like, we're just going to go and do this thing. And all of a sudden, the stone that's supposed to be there is rolled away. How would you feel? I would be like, what is happening? Confused. I would wonder, what is happening? And there's this young guy dressed in white robes. Does anyone know who this young guy might be? Yes. This young guy. Most people understand that he's an angel because he says, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go and tell his disciples about this. Tell his disciples and Peter especially Peter. Peter's having a hard couple of days. Especially let Peter know. He is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him, just as I told you. So this was an angel who spoke with authority from God and brought a message. With, he had full knowledge of what had happened to Jesus. And as with most situations, throughout the Bible, when people encounter an angel, usually they're scared. That's one of the signs, one of the things that has happened when you encounter an, a messenger from God. And usually, do you know what the angel first says to people? Don't be scared. Because <laughs> they're like, I know, I get it, I'm an angel, people are scared. <laughs> and they usually have to go, okay, first of all, don't be scared. Okay, you guys, here's where I have a question of the scripture. And if you're going to learn from the scripture, you got to let yourself ask questions of the scripture. And here's my question. Why do you think the woman, the women got, had to have their message from an angel instead of Jesus? That's when I was reading this passage. I was like, hey, wait a minute. Jesus was just there. How come Jesus didn't tell them the message? Wouldn't that have been more clear? I think I would have wanted Jesus to just wait a little bit and tell me himself what happened. I would have had a lot of questions for him, right? I wonder why Jesus wasn't there. Why didn't Jesus just wait until they got there? Wouldn't it have been simpler for Jesus to just tell them personally? They were very close. They had a good relationship. Why did, uh, where did Jesus have to be? Did he double schedule? He had conquered death. Maybe I, I would guess that he could master a busy schedule. Wouldn't it be clearer if Jesus was there? 
It'd be like, yay, problem solved, mind blown, but happiness restored. You know, it just would have been easier if Jesus would have been there. But what these three women encounter is someone, an angel who's telling them that Jesus had risen. And they were supposed to go and tell other people about what they experienced. Why did they have to hear this from an angel? Well, I suggest to you that this might be because Christianity is a movement of faith by testimony. Christianity is a movement of faith by testimony. There's something about hearing from someone and choosing to believe them and telling other people that's really important to our faith. To hear the faith of uh, the message of the gospel hear, heard from people and taking it in, that's how the fire of faith is lit in us. I want you to look around for a second. I give you permission to look around this room. Even fully turn, turn around and look in the back. Every person here, every precious person here has an experience, a testimony, some pathway of experience being touched by God. And how it works in the kingdom of God is that that lights a fire with each other, the testimony. And that is why the angel is saying, go and share what you've just experienced by faith. You know, I just experienced that this week. Uh, myself and my two girls, we uh, went to the East Coast for their spring break. How many of you guys just had spring break? All right, some of us. It's a very exciting time. It was the only time that we could travel, so I uh, took them in this very important week of a pastor's year, and we stayed with my cousin. And this cousin uh, had grown up in my hometown for about four years when we were little. So I knew him really well, but now we're grown-ups. And I, I was, uh, what, what are you like? And he said that he went to church, so I said, tell me the story of how it was that you started going to church. And he said, well, because when he was little, he was not that into God. And actually, when he was even more grown up, he was not that into God. He said, well, I got married, and the woman I married, she wasn't religious either. But she told me, if we get married, I'd like to go to church, because it sounds like a really good idea. <laughs> so they were like, OK. So they went to church. And when they went to church, they met someone who invited them to go to this thing called a small group. So they went to this small circle of people, and they learned together, and they grew, and they realized, hey, I'm good at this. I'll help out with that. Let's pray about this. And slowly, 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 they began to grow. And uh, his wife said this to me. I thought it was so funny. She goes, okay, Susan, you might think this is kind of weird, but I began to feel like I heard from God. And I was like, that's not weird. I think that's awesome. She's like, I, I felt like God was talking to me and leading me and touching me. And I, we grew and we grew, and, and I guess it's called discipleship, which you, means that you grow as a disciple of God. 
And they were just telling me about all the different things they encountered. And as they shared their testimony with me, I felt this little flicker of faith grow. And I realized, that must be how it works. People experience God, and they share with each other about it. And, and our, the stories are really different. Never assume that it's going to be the same story, right? Really different. But still that sense of amazing fire-producing, faith-producing story, testimony. Even if we think it's kind of silly or boring, you never know who it's going to encourage or touch. And, you know, I came, we stayed for a couple days, and I came back feeling like, wow, you worked in my, my cousin's life, and it was so beautiful to me. I was so blessed to see how God is at work in everyone's lives. Might not feel like it in the moment, but God is calling and inviting everyone to be a part of the story of God. That's how the fire of faith grows, by testimony. Our stories hold the fire of faith. But it's not easy. I, I want to say it would be easier if it was written uh, out in permanent marker or if Jesus just wrote, like, this is what happened to me in neon in the sky or something, right? And we didn't have to be involved in it. But actually, he invites us to be a part of sharing the story of what happened. He, like, just like he invited these three women. Because faith is risk. Faith is risk. And to walk out in faith, each step is a little bit of a risk. Might have been a risk for you to even come to church. Might have been a risk for some of you kids to come and stand out front and, and, and do dance praise, right? Because growth involves risk. That is why verse 8 of this passage doesn't say, and the women did what they were told, and it came very easily and naturally to them, and everything was fine and okay, the end. Is that what you think verse 8 says? It says, trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb, and they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid, right? Sharing with other people, especially if they might not believe you, is risky. Sharing about personal things, especially personal things about God, is risky. If your faith is if, if your faith is always easy and natural and costless and riskless, then that is not the faith that we read about in the Bible. Now, the way of Jesus is one like the women experienced, where they're like, we are experiencing something that we don't know exactly everything about it, but something unexpected and powerful and that Jesus already told us what happened is happening. And someone's explaining it to us, and we're supposed to go and share about it with other people. Now, we do know that these women eventually did say something because we're sitting here and we know the story, right? So it must be that these women did share, that they broke through their fears. But that's the invitation. I think that's why this, this book ends like this. 
Will they share? Will they step into the risk? Will we take the next step? Maybe it involves asking each other, what's your story? Why are you here today? What's your story of intersecting with God? How did you encounter this message? In order to really get the richness of that, I want to encourage you to embed yourself, to surround yourself with people who have the stories of God in their lives. I'm the luckiest person in this whole church because as I look around, I realize I know so many stories that are beautiful, so inspiring, and fills my heart with more faith because I know many of the stories here. And if you choose to, find, to make this your home, you will experience that too. The, mo- the amazing stories, the beautiful, fragrant stories of God's work in each of our lives. Ask people what their experience of Jesus is. And share your story. You might think it's no big deal, but you never know who it's going to fan the flames of faith And I think especially the kids, right? Hey, you adults, these kids are experiencing God. They're coming to know God in their kid, childlike ways. We should ask them, right? What are you learning about God? And kids, you can ask us too. Let's be a community where we're testifying to each other and maybe people who don't know God about what we've experienced. In that way, we can be like these three women. Would you pray with me so that I can pray that we could experience what they've experienced? Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, if it were me, I would have things be easy and clear and that you would tell each one of us uh, what happened and what the meaning of all your, your life is. But with you, I see that you give us the opportunity to share with one another. And I pray that you would help us to lean into that, that we could really be a community of encouragement. Open our eyes and open our hearts, oh God. Oh, thank you so much for weaving us in to the story of faith. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand and let's continue to worship God.